Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. With divided government, what are the political realities? The president is increasingly frustrated. I want to try to cut through the noise. Politically, this is devastating. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. It is no secret that I care a lot about the consumers. There are real questions about big tech. We still have more leverage to use with the tariffs. I think we could do with a little less drama from the White House. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM. HD2 Baltimore. Happy Friday Eve, folks. Lawmakers uh, huddled with President Trump, including Senator Richard Shelby, talking to President Trump about trying to avert that partial government shutdown. Meanwhile, this political situation, for lack of a better term, in Virginia, I I mean, we're going to dive into all of that, all of the the latest twists and turns there, because it just seems like I don't know who's going to end up being uh, governor And, of course, U.S.-China trade spat continuing. President Trump says he will not be meeting with President Xi Jinping of China when he heads later uh, this month uh, for the nuke talks with Kim Jong-un in Vietnam. Diving into that with an all-star panel, we've got Jesse Hunt, Republican strategist uh, and former uh, spokesman for Jeb Bush presidential campaign, Jennifer Holdsworth, friend of the program, Democratic strategist, and the senior vice president of issues management at MWW Public Affairs, and all-star journalist who truly beats me on every scoop, Al Weaver, uh, up on Capitol Hill. He's here with me uh, for the hour as well. Folks, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And it looks like the top Democrat and Republican Working on a border security deal say that they're coming to an agreement of sorts, but they've got to get their act together ahead of next Friday. That's the deadline for lawmakers to reach uh, some type of an agreement in order to avert another partial government shutdown. So uh, Senator Richard Shelby, he's the Senate Appropriations Committee chairman, uh, a Republican, uh, I actually spoke with him uh, the day of the State of the Union, up in the uh, Cups Coffee, not Cups, it was the other one, in Dirksen, in the basement there. And and he was saying he's trying to shake things up, folks, because he wants to get some type of a deal for Republicans and Democrats in order to just avoid the whole mess that happened, that 35-day-long shutdown, uh, to, to, to move on from it. Jesse Hunt, former NRCC National Press Secretary, uh, with me for the hour in studio. Jennifer Holdsworth, a Democratic strategist and SVP at uh, MWW Public Affairs and all-star journalist Al Weaver. Uh, My panel for the hour. Uh, Al, I want to start with you because I'm not sure, based on the sources that I'm talking to, that President Trump is fully aware. Maybe he's aware, but maybe is not calculating that another government shutdown might really hurt 
the Republican majority in the Senate even ahead of this cycle. No, I think that's. I don't think you're wrong at all about that. I mean, the president really is the player in this whole thing. We have. We when we know Shelby. He, he for months he's been wanting to get the yes on some sort of an agreement. He's been in the last couple months he's been dour at moments. He's been you know a little more upright, upbeat this week apparently, but. You know, he really wants to get the yes. And the major question about this whole government shutdown situation now is whether the president wants to get there and whether he will get there. That's still a major question to a lot of Republicans. And it's really hanging over. Obviously, you mentioned about 2020 and their Senate majority, uh, whether they're going to be able to hold this. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating to find out in the next uh, next nine days or so. Jennifer Holdsworth, Democratic strategist. I mean, you heard the State of the Union. Do you think Democrats this time around, though, going into these negotiations, really feel that they have to change strategy at all based upon the polling that we've seen from the last go around? No, because our position results from a place of good policy and not just a tantrum. So, no, we don't think that we have to change anything. What we do want to do is make sure that we're protecting the workers who unfortunately, would potentially be affected again by another shutdown. So uh, I think that we're open to negotiation in terms of smart policy. We are not in open to negotiation for further temper tantrums. Jennifer Holdsworth, who just moved to Alexandria, Virginia. So we're, we have a lot to talk about what's happening in your state now, in the state political uh, Northam fallout. We'll get to that later in the program. Okay, uh, Jesse Hunt, Republican strategist. What do you think the president needs to do differently this go around as he negotiates towards the end of another cliff? I think he just needs to understand uh, who his broader audience is with the message. He's going into a, a re-election year, uh, re-election cycle, so obviously the wall is very important to him. That was a key campaign promise in 2016. He feels like he needs to deliver on that promise to uh, kind of invigorate his base heading into what will be a very, very, very uh, competitive uh, 2020 cycle. So just keeping in mind the broader electorate and the impact and the effect it's having beyond the base, because ultimately that is what's going to help him get reelected if he's reaching out to more people and attracting people to his message. Hey Jesse, what do you think on some of these uh, some of these states uh, where the impact could be most? I mean, you obviously have uh, the, the ones that you think of for the most when 2020 comes up. It's Gardner and Susan Collins, and they're obviously not in major border states or anything close to that would you say where does this where does this fight really resonate in some of these states would you say so it's it's a rock and a hard place for a lot because there is a common uh, general agreement that there needs to be some border security what democrats are trying to prevent is from giving trump that talking point so uh, while i i do think that there is broad agreement to provide some funding for technological advancements on the border. Uh, ultimately, anything that allows Donald Trump to say, I built the wall, I think uh, is going to see a lot of resistance from Democrats. And ultimately, those Republicans that are in competitive states are going to have to weigh those pros and cons, whether or not they, they need to you know, make sure that they're appealing to the base or ultimately reaching out to those independent voters. Uh, look, I actually respect former Governor you know, Jeb Bush's whole opinion on this and his outlook. Jesse's um, old boss. The, the, which is why I bring it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think that he's got a, a, a very good overview on this where it's it's compassionate, it's smart, it's technological based. I, I'm very interested in the language that you used in terms of border security because that is the language that the Democrats have been using since the start of this debate. We want smart, technologically advanced border security, not just a wall that's not going to prevent anything that we need to prevent. It's kind of nuts that we're playing this political semantics 
debate game even at still i mean it call it a wall call it steel slats call it call it whatever you want a Just, beaded curtain if you uh, must <laughs> i don't think president trump will call that uh oh yeah i'm gonna stop myself now but i do, do want to play before i get myself into trouble uh i do want to play what president trump had to say earlier today at the white house uh, about the deal that uh that senate appropriations committee chairman richard shelby uh, is helping to negotiate through here's the president but I certainly hear that they're working on something, and uh, both sides are moving along. We'll see what happens. We need border security. We have to have it. It's not an option. So to Jennifer's point, Jesse, I mean, he's saying we need border security. He's not saying build the wall. He, said, he mentioned the wall 10 times, I believe, in the State of the Union address earlier this week. I, I kind of gather from the sources that I talk with at the White House that they do not want another prolonged government shutdown at all. Elections have consequences, yeah. right? So we saw a, a massive amount of uh, Democratic uh, House members get ushered into office this past January. So that is something that the, the president is contending with. Getting those folks on board with a border wall after they just uh, you know, riled up their base with some really far-left progressive uh, rhetoric is probably not realistic. So at this point, I think he, they're, they're recognizing that going into his re-election year, it's better to have progress to actually get something done and make, take steps towards securing the border as best we can with reality in mind, knowing that with the Democratic House with Nancy Pelosi as Speaker, it's likely not going to be exactly what you want. Jesse, you mentioned progressive rhetoric coming up. We are uh, later in the show going to talk about uh, the Green New Deal and Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She had a press conference earlier today. We'll, we'll get into that as well as the situation in Virginia. Uh, and stock, stocks dipped today uh, because of President Trump's news that he's not going to be meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. So coming up, we'll get into the uh, trade situation as well. Panel stays, all-star panel. Great to have all three of you here. Remember, you can check us out on the iHeartRadio app uh, as well as uh, radio.com. And, of course, on Apple iTunes. Just search and subscribe on Apple iTunes. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Welcome back, folks. I'll be at Georgetown University tonight moderating a panel on the 2016 presidential campaign at the Georgetown Institute of Politics. Uh, so if you're in the area, feel free to check it out. We have an all-star panel here, Jesse Hunt, Republican strategist and the former NRCC National press secretary, as well as the former campaign spokesman for Jeb Bush's presidential campaign, Jennifer Holdsworth, a Democratic strategist and SVP at MWW Public Affairs, and Philadelphia sports fan and all-star journalist Al Weaver, uh, my guests for the hour. We were talking in the last segment about the shutdown, but stocks actually didn't move on that, so to speak, but did move about this news that... President Trump will not be meeting. President Trump is not going to meet with Chinese President Xi Jinping ahead of March 1st. Mark your calendars, folks, because that is the key deadline for when there has to be some type of, I don't want to say arrangement or agreement or a monumental deal, but some type of consensus 
Because if not, the president has said that he's going to raise tariffs by about 10 or 15 percent on a host of additional goods being imported into the U.S. from China. Mind you, the president has already tariffed about $267 billion worth of goods. And really that is an escalation, right, in terms of the trade tensions happening between the U.S. and China. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, as well as U.S. Trade Representative Bob Lighthizer, they're going to be heading over to Beijing to continue to hammer out these details to get to some type of a framework agreement. And it really does matter as the leaders of the the world's two largest economies keep on negotiating because the populist streak here in American politics, not just in the Trump coalition, but also in the Democratic Party coalition, have really pressured centrists in both parties And now you have the business community saying they don't want tariffs. You have prominent Republicans saying that they don't want tariffs. And, Al, I I mean, this, I think, is making a lot in the business community uneasy, as we saw in the the market reaction, but also making a lot of lawmakers uneasy, no? No, I think you're right about that. I mean, but I will say one thing. You go back to some of the the tariff fights that were happening months ago. This is a fight I think some lawmakers are more than willing to have, uh, given you know, I mean, given that it's not the 232 version. But speaking on the China issue, yeah, this is a, this is something that's really that people are really be looking for the next couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, the president has been talking about raising these tariffs up to 25 percent. They're at 10 percent right now. Uh, obviously, no meeting at this point and scheduled. Uh, we're, we're it's going to be an, uh, an interesting couple, an interesting week or. Uh, couple of weeks here before we find out what happens. He obviously has a lot going on at that time. The meeting with uh, with Kim Jong-un in Vietnam, that's going to be uh, front, or, uh, top of the president's mind, obviously. That's a, that was a big thing last year in Singapore. And yeah. it's going to be another big thing. He's got a lot, of, a lot on his plate, and this is just another one of those things. See, I, Jesse, am, like, baffled that we're not hearing more from the White House on China. And in fact, the president has been more aggressive in criticizing Democrats as well as even Republicans. Uh, But he has really held his his political fire uh, for President Xi. Even in the State of the Union address, he said that he respects President Xi. uh, And so he hasn't really poured too much of the Twitter gasoline uh, on on this on this trade situation. Yeah, well, I I think as the president in the White House, they 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 kind of present their strategy on when it comes to dealing with China on the issue of tariffs. This has probably been President Trump's most consistent issue throughout his entire uh, career, both Mm -hmm. before politics and then once he entered politics. Uh, Immigration, trade, and uh, U.S. engagement abroad are his three core issues. So I think you'll see him revert back to and, and really hold firm on his feelings and his in his posture towards China and ultimately getting to where he thinks that the U.S. can actually start to benefit from trade instead of uh, losing the way he's described over the last, you know, four years since he's been in politics. And the Chinese politics, by the way, are are fascinating. I think, we, you know, here in the U.S. we always say President Xi, but if, if, if you'd really do a deeper dive into the political makeup and the political allegiances uh, or alliances, rather, in, in President Xi's administration, it is, it is quite interesting because he's got a game how politics might shift in this country with different cycles coming up and whatnot and divide a government and make a calculation about whether he wants to do get the deal with with Trump or to wait for someone else and and who that someone else is, you know, could present very different political optics. Speaking of political optics, I mean, Jennifer Holdsworth, Democratic strategist, what is going on in Virginia? 
so many things. <laughs> uh, I think that, you know, look, Governor Northam's going to have to make a decision very, very soon about what he's going to do. Most Democrats, if not all, especially high-profile ones, have unequivocally called for him to resign. Yeah. Uh, I think that he has bungled this thing from the beginning. And it's very sad because Governor Ralph Northam has been a, a, a public servant pretty much his whole life. He's a veteran. He's dedicated himself to being a doctor. You know, um, this is a very, very sad fall from grace, but one that needs to be acknowledged and one that the Democrats are not going to look the other way on. I, I want to read the lead, uh, to use some journalism jargon, from the Associated Press, the AP. This, I mean, this is, it speaks for itself. Quote, all three of Virginia's top elected officials are now mired in their own separate scandals, causing some to question whether any of the three Democrats are fit to lead in the state. You've got the lieutenant governor, Justin Fairfax. Uh, he's facing an accusation of sexual assault. He refutes that allegation. Uh, then you have, you know, the... Uh, Attorney Mark Herring, I mean, it's hard to even keep up with all this. Attorney Mark Herring, who would be next in line to govern, govern and on to, earlier or yesterday, he's saying that he wore blackface as a college student. He's, he's admitted that. And then you've got the House Speaker, Kirk Cox. He's a Republican, uh, and, and, and he's saying that he's got his own issue, Jesse, with, with this racist behavior. Let's just say it's that it's not equivocally. Yeah. It, it needs to be just put out there that it is disqualifying to hold public office if you've done this. I don't care how long ago it was. It needs to be acknowledged, and they need to be disqualified from holding public office. I, I, th I think this is eventually going to bubble over. I know Northam and, and Herring and Fairfax are all trying to weather the storm right now, but I think there'll just be a crescendo at some point, and they're going to have to deal with the reality and the political consequences of their decisions. Uh, it has no place in politics, as Jennifer said, um, and I, I think it's not it hasn't even become a truly partisan issue i think there's been widespread uh, widespread um, um disagreement with them remaining in office and i i think that will only continue to grow as the time goes on um i it's i'm actually kind of troubled by uh some of the rhetoric that uh fairfax has used to describe uh his accuser uh in in public and it doesn't it's just it, unbecoming yeah, virginia state senate senate majority leader tommy normand uh, he was an editor now of virginia military institute's yearbook that in 1968 featured racist photos i mean i, I think we also need to divorce the issue for, uh, of northam and fairfax here for a minute and yeah. you know i i've seen some unfortunate celebrating of schadenfreude on the Republican side of the aisle uh, about this issue with LG Fairfax because they think that, you know, Democrats are going to eat their own considering the controversy over Justice Kavanaugh. But, you know, what I'd like to point out is this is the reaction that we were looking for from the Republicans. It's to make sure that the accuser, um, you know, gives a credible story once she does to treat her with the utmost respect, give her the opportunity to tell her story for there to be a full and complete investigation of the accusations that she is making and for LG Fairfax to allow that to happen. If the reports are true that he referred to the doctor, to the professor, his yeah. accuser, in the 
absolutely unacceptable terms that have been reported, then in my mind, there's no question about whether he should remain as well. Jennifer Holdsworth, Democratic strategist. We're going to stay with this coming up more on the, the, the fallout in Virginia. And we'll hear from some lawmakers, including 2020 presidential candidate Senator Kamala Harris. Uh, that's coming up. Remember, you can now find us uh, on the iHeartRadio app as well as on Apple iTunes. You just go on to Apple iTunes, search for Sound On Bloomberg and subscribe uh, and you can uh, well you know dive into all of the issues of the day with the those in the know here in Washington DC. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Panel stays. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. It is something that is painful for most of us to see, to hear about, and to think about. And it is, um, for that reason, deeply troubling that anyone in the 20th or the 21st century would engage in that kind of behavior, and it should be taken very seriously. That was Senator Kamala Harris, 2020 presidential candidate, a Democrat from California, talking about Governor Ralph Northam uh, and why the whole scandal that we've been all following and and gripped by. Uh, We've got an all-star panel with us in the studio, Jesse Hunt, Republican strategist, Jennifer Holdsworth, Democratic strategist, and all-star journalist Al Weaver. Al, we were talking about this in the break. I mean, who, when you've got the top three of Virginia's elected officials now each having their own separate political scandals, Who's who's left? I mean, who who's going to be in charge? Well, being in charge is one question. I mean, right now, I guess I guess right now it's going to be Northam. He's showed no no signs that he's going to step down at all. But whether he can lead is an entirely different matter. And for that, I think they're going to have to look to some of the other elected officials. I mean, obviously, if Tim Kaine he just got reelected last uh, in, in 2018, Mark Warner is up for re-election in 2020. He likely will win. He has you know he, he's won. He won handily the one time. Obviously, the 2014 situation was a little bit different than what he's going to face in 2020. But I think those are the people Virginia Democrats are going to have to look to. And then, obviously, whoever whoever runs in 2020, that's another big thing where people are going to look at. Jennifer Holdsworth, Democratic strategist, you've made clear that you don't support any of these folks and that you want them gone. You want them to step down. But if, if put on your strategist cap, and I know it's hard but to, to do it in this situation, but take us behind the scenes. If you are Governor Northam and you're saying you're not going to resign and you're putting and you have a team that is, I mean, I guess supporting that decision or, you know, what is he waiting for? What is he trying to shift or change? 
what is the calculus that he's making to move beyond this? I think just right off the bat, um, he's going to have a team that supports him. And, you know, they're, they're very fond of him personally. I think, you know, as a staffer, you're going to struggle with something that your boss, that your principal does, that you don't agree with, that you're mad at, um, you know, and you're going to want to initially throw up your hands. But, you know, then you're going to say, okay, let me help you know, lead my principal through this firestorm. Um, I think it is selfish for him to hold on, but in terms of strategy, he's not going to be able to rehabilitate his image if he does not have a platform. And he is counting on this platform in order to prove to the world that he's not a racist. Again, I think it's selfish, but he is also banking on the fact that we have about a 90-second news cycle in this country right now. So that's interesting because... I mean, when, whenever these political scandals occur, whether it's with President Trump and, you know, or former President Bill Clinton uh, or even the, the situation out in Silicon Valley, I mean, it really is now in the, in the Trump era and the backdrop of this instantaneous media Twitter world that we live in. Jesse, I think Jennifer makes a really interesting point because will folks – I mean, I don't want to say move on from racism, but – it, it, it almost appears that that's what he's trying to do. I think this is going to spur uh, some really uncomfortable conversations about some of the uh, race relations that might have occurred in a lot of our candidates' backgrounds in Virginia or other southern states during the 70s and 80s when they came up and they came of age and in college and in high school. Uh, I think this is probably kind of the, the – um, the, the beginning of that, yeah. if you're seeing it as, uh, occur on such a pervasive le- level, like, you know, you, you, your top three elected officials in Virginia are now currently going through it. More people likely have issues Jesse, like this. but to, to your point, I mean, and, and particularly in this climate, I mean, you having worked on Jeb Bush's presidential campaign, I mean, when, you know, I remember covering that and, and virtually every other day was, was a new type of, like, scandal. I mean... Do you think, I mean, take us back to your campaign days, is when you're on the opposition, are you, are you calculating that eventually the pressure will get so great that they're going to have no other choice but to walk away? Or, or how are you, how, do, how does the opposition ride that out? Well, ultimately, what we're looking at right now, as Jennifer mentioned, we are in such a, a hyperdrive when it comes to news cycles. I think that's ultimately what he's being advised to do right now is that eventually in next week, we'll be on to some bigger and better scandal. So people will forget about what just occurred and he will have the ability to clear his name. Ultimately, what he doesn't want right now is to re- resign in disgrace a- a- as a labeled racist. Yeah, that, is, that's ultimately what he's trying to do. Is, right isn't now. it crazy in this House of Cards world that we all live in, or, or Scandal? Remember that show that 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 ride it out is is really the mantra. I mean, and it it really isn't. It doesn't seem like it's about leadership or policy or issues anymore. Coming up, we're going to have more, a little bit more on this, and as well as on the Green New Deal and what progressives are talking about in terms of. Well, their vision for the environment and whether or not it stands a chance in this divided government. Panel stays. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can check out all of our latest episodes on Apple iTunes. Just search for Sound On Bloomberg and subscribe, subscribe, because we've got some great uh, guests uh, and and, uh, panelists like we have today to break down all of the latest news. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. 
Happy Friday Eve, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. We're talking about the situation in Virginia with Virginia's embattled Governor Ralph Northam. We're talking with all-star journalist Al Weaver, Jesse Hunt, former NRCC National Press Secretary and former spokesman to Jeb Bush's presidential campaign. What's Jeb up to, Jesse? Uh, Jeb is enjoying life in Miami, back working with uh, his son, doing consulting work, and continuing to be a leading voice on education reform. I love how you just said enjoying life back in Miami, and I'm like, I want to go to Miami. It's an amazing place. They've got great Cuban food. What's that famous Cuban restaurant? Yes! That place, when I went there, that food is the best. It's a staple. The Hamon or whatever. Oh, my gosh. And Jennifer Holdsworth, Democratic strategist, uh, senior vice president of issues management at MWW Public Affairs. Jennifer, we were talking in the last block about the situation, uh, and then we came up against a break about the situation in Virginia, and I know you had wanted to say something. I mean, first, I just want to point out that when you were talking about Jeb Bush here, um, how unbelievable it is how nostalgic I am for the Bush family wow. in these times. <laughs> it, is, uh, it, it still surprises me on a daily basis how fondly uh, you know, I remember um, all the Bushes when you know, 10 and 20 years ago. I just think. Spit nails across this room if you brought them up. So. Just think, 10 years from now, you might be saying that about President Donald Trump. Oh God, I hope not, because that means that something much, much worse is happening. Oh what are you going to? What were you going to say about Virginia? No, I, I just think that you know, Democrats are in a really hard place right now. I see all over the Twitterverse that um, you know Republicans are saying Democrats are eating their own, and you know they're going to um, you know fire their own people and force them to resign. And, and the answer is yes. The reason why we come so hard for even our own is because we want to hold everybody to the same standard. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect about it, but we're sure going to try to go out of our way to stick to our values and our morals and our standards, even when that means that we're going to lose. I never give my opinion, but I will say ultimately these things get decided at the ballot box. I do want to get back to policy, though, uh, uh, particularly what's going on in the Democratic Party. Jennifer, your party, uh, and on the environment, because Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez announcing the New Green Deal initiative. And I I, I want to play a bite from what she said earlier today uh, with uh, the New Green Deal. Take a listen. Nancy Pelosi is a leader on climate, has always been a leader on climate, and I will not allow our caucus to be divided up by silly notions of whatever narrative. We are in this together. Jennifer, your reaction to that soundbite? She says she doesn't want to divide divide the, the caucus. Great. I, I hope she means it. I am quite... <laughs> do you think she means it? I mean, seriously. I mean, do you think she means it? This, this is such a hard thing for me to comment on. I am, I am one of the biggest critics of Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I am embarrassed on a daily basis that Why? she's the new spokesperson for our party. Um, I think in terms of policy that her heart's in the right place. But I was always taught that you follow your heart, but you take your brain with you. And that just doesn't appear to be something that the Congresswoman is willing to do in terms of negotiations. And I really, really hope that she is willing to be a team player on this and listen to people who have been fighting for these issues for years before she decided to run for Congress. I I think that she could wind up being a really great public official in the Democratic Party. And I just hope that she doesn't continue this ridiculous streak of just saying whatever comes to her brain. But um, and, and, and then maybe we can have some real progress on these issues. It's interesting, though, because 
I mean, she does represent an ideology that has been around for a very long time. And it is quite amazing just to see just how quickly her ascent, her political ascent, and also the media coverage of her, which I think is also indicative of the industry Obsessive. as a whole. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it, it, it's, go ahead, Al. It's absurd. Yeah, I mean, why? Everybody writes everything about her, and it doesn't matter what it is. As long as you get something up about her, it doesn't matter what it is. They just look at the she's, clicks and they say, oh, we're going to get that up right now. This is how they that. created President Trump. Yeah, she's used President Trump's strategy quite effectively. It's, it, it is a, yeah, that's a, that's very it, impressive in that way. Very yeah, impressive. I mean, like, look, I mean, I, I think it is, it's fascinating to watch, but in terms of policy and how she's been able to, to do this, I do think she comes from the same political background. She actually worked for former for the late Senator Kennedy, but but she comes from the same vein as, as Senator Sanders, Senator Warren. But I covered Senator Warren when she was on Senate Banking, and she was one of those lawmakers who, you know, it drove me insane when I was trying to get a quote in the hallway. But she but she kept her head down and did the work. And uh, this is a di- I'm not saying that it, the Congresswoman is not doing the work, but I am saying it's a different media strategy. I do want to note what Speaker Pelosi told Politico. Uh, which was, quote, it will be one of several or maybe many suggestions that we receive. She's talking about the Green New Deal. The Green Dream, or whatever they call it, nobody knows what it is, but they're for it, right? Jennifer Holdsworth, is that shade? Masterclass in shade. Um, no, um, no I, I honestly, I don't think Speaker Pelosi is really concerning herself with the day-to-day ongoings of Congresswoman Cortez's Twitter. But I do think that it's extremely important to point out that the Democrats took back Congress and Nancy Pelosi is the speaker because more than 33, quote unquote, moderates took seats from Republicans in this election. There were not an abs- there was not an absolute wave of far left progressives and Democratic socialists that won these seats. There were very, very few. So when we're going to talk about instituting progressive policy, we have to make sure that we are talking to the actual Democrats that flip these seats that are going to vote on these issues that are going to make us win in 2020. I wish people could have seen Jesse's facial reaction to that. I, I would most certainly balk at the idea that we that uh, a bunch of moderate Democrats were elected to office. I think Medicare for all became the standard position for nearly every uh, House Democrat that won their race. Sands maybe won in North Carolina nine. That's still up in the air, depending on what happens. Um, I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other Justice Democrats uh, are a gift to Republicans in 2020. And I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez could be the only person that would usurp uh, Nancy Pelosi as the figurehead of in in, in a bunch of Republican attack ads. Uh, I actually think it helps Speaker Pelosi in a way because I, I, it's. I want to jump in here. There's one thing I've just kind of noticed over the last couple of weeks that's really been interesting about Pelosi and these and these kind of insurgent Democrats is she's really been able to keep them in ranks at this point. You know, obviously you had the shutdown and you had President Trump and then that's the big uniter. But she's really been able to keep them. And that's one thing Boehner and Ryan were not able to do with the Freedom Caucus for years. And they still struggle with that. You know, I do want to note uh, on an entirely different note that Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker uh, said today that he is not going to appear before Congress tomorrow without assurances that he will not be subpoenaed. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I Also, I mean, I just we were talking about this in the break. I got to mention it. O.J. Simpson says he's not impressed with Roger Stone's uh antics. Uh, thank you to our panel. Jesse, I didn't even get to shade you. Speaking of shade about the patriots but congrats on that win i'm kevin cerilli you're listening to bloomberg 99.1 check us out on itunes after the show
The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.